see you here this morning. Good to see you folks. God bless you. All right, let's stand together as we say, turn to page number 56. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. It's not 56? I got the right one here, sweetheart. I just took, didn't put it up there. All right, 63. 63, here we go. Ready? When we all, what a day that will be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears that in the eye. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that shall be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Verse number two. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. Day, glorious day will be what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be Let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I ask that you just please bless this service. I thank you for all those that came out and were obedient today. I ask, Heavenly Father, for those that are sick or those that had a rough night the night before, I ask that you just please give them strength and encourage them. I ask, Heavenly Father, to be with those, Lord, that uh, have family members who are unsaved, don't know Christ. Lord, may we be revived, Lord, that we can see the Holy Spirit work in the hearts of the believers around, or hearts of the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. While you're taking your seats, go ahead and turn to page number 86. In the garden, page number 86. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. I come to the garden alone while the dew. Yeah. 
confuse you a little bit? I apologize. Well, again, thank you again for being part of our services today. Uh, we did have some, some things coming up, just bring to your attention. August 26th is our paint and praise. That's at 3 p.m. Again, that's $1 per individual and $5 per family. If you'd like to be a part of that, please uh, come. Um, and then September 3rd is our potluck in uh, game night. That's on uh, September 3rd. That's next Sunday. I'm sorry, not next Sunday. The first Sunday of September. And then September 16th is Tony and Sabrina's wedding, so we're looking forward to that as well. Uh, again, if you'd like to, again, I've not gotten any takers yet. Anybody who would like to go soul winning with us, I would encourage you to please come out. Uh, say, Pastor, how can I be a soul winner? Well, I can show you. Let me just give you an opportunity, okay? If you'd like to, give me a call or give Sister Cassie's a call or text us or message us. Whatever way you can be able to communicate with us, we're still trying to be a soul winning church. If a church does not a soul winning church, it'll exist to be a church. That's the purpose of the church. Yeah, it's to bring glory, glory, glory to God. But if it doesn't continue to re replenish, it's no longer going to stay a church. And this is important. We need to know that. So keep those things in mind. I do have a couple of birthdays coming up. Jackie, it's your birthday coming up on the 15th. 14th? Is your birthday coming up on the 14th? Tomorrow? All right. And Paula, your birthday's coming up here on the 18th. Is that correct? All right. Why don't you folks come on up here, if you don't mind. See, look, Jackie, you even got Paula to come up with you, here with you. We're going to sing happy birthday. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Please. We just want to sing happy birthday to you. Actually, Cassie, could you go get me some pens? I forgot mine up here. We're going to sing happy birthday to these two ladies. You ready? 
Bible says, teach us to uh, remember our days that we may, or count the days that we may apply our hearts to the wisdom. Uh, I'm sorry, I just crucified that verse. Remember, thank you. Number, still didn't get it right. Amen. Thankful for a good godly wife. All right, that's about it as far as announcements are concerned. Uh, at this time, we're going to stand together and we're going to turn to our hymn books to page number 230. And we're going to sing Heavenly Sunlight. Sing through it the first verse in the chorus, and then you get the chance to sit, shake hands with the folks next to you. Page number 230. Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains, through the deep vale, Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee, promise divine. Shadows around me, shadows above me, never conceal my Savior and God. He is the light and Him is no darkness. Ever I'm walking close to His side. All right, go ahead and shake hands, goodness sakes.
Yes. Well, we got a special today. Can my two girls come on up here? Where did Callie go? Might be just Dad and Katie this morning. Oh, there we go. Turn your page to your hymn books to page number 91, Hiding in the. Katie, could you come here and grab these hymnals? Page number 91. Let's stand together as we sing this last song for today. Page number 91. There we go. Hold on. Start again with that intro. I'm sorry.
Sunday school class, go ahead and go downstairs with Sister Cassie. Well, I am thankful for all those new visitors here today. Glad to see you folks, as well as people that have been here for a while. Praise God. Uh, I know that some people have sick. Some people weren't able to make it tonight because of that, or this morning because of that. But I am excited to be here today. I hope you are as well. Turn your Bibles to Hosea chapter 5. Hosea chapter 5. It's not a book that we often read, and it's really an interesting book if you get a chance to read it. Uh, we're at the very end of this chapter, or this book, or I'm sorry, right in the middle of this book, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter today. The title of my message is Withdrawing of God's Face. Withdrawing of God's Face. There are many things in this life that can distract us. Can discourage us, uh, discourage us, can make us feel like God's not there. But a lot of the reasons why we don't see God is because we're so busy hiding from God. We're so busy hiding our sin from God. And God is always calling out to us. He's always saying, come back, come back. He loves you. The Bible says that he is all, that all men come to repentance. 
And I think this is an important part, and we'll get into a little bit to Hosea. Let's read the text today, and then we'll get into the message. Hosea chapter 5, verse 1 starts out like this. Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken ye, house of Israel, and give ye ear, ear, O house of the king. For judgment is towards you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor. And the revolters are profound to make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. They will not deframe their doings to turn to their, Lord, to their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously against the Lord, for they have begotten strange children. Now shall a month devour them with their portions. Blow ye the cornet in Gibeah, and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud in Bethaven after thee, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel I have made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bound. Therefore I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and bro broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to Assyrian and sent to the king Jerob. Yet could he not heal you, nor cure you of your wound. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction they shall seek me, will seek me early. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just please be with this message. Lord, you know my heart. And Lord, a spirit of revival needs to take place in this church. Lord, there needs to be a centeredness upon what your will is for our lives. It's very easy, Heavenly Father, to become um, comfortable in a way of life, but not right. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would just please help us to dispose of the ideas that uh, God doesn't want to have every day, every action, every ability of our lives in his control. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to help me preach the message you want me to preach this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hosea. How many know who Hosea is? Where do you, you find Hosea? And uh, he was a contemporary of somebody by the name of Amos. All right? Uh, and he was also a minor prophet. Now, some interesting things about uh, Hosea. He was written in between the time periods of 790 to 686 B.C. Now, you say, why is that important? Well, you have to understand something about Hosea. Hosea was around the time of the Israel, Israelites and when they began to fall away from the Lord. Uh, Jeroboam was one of those that had basically taken them from worshiping Jehovah and started worshiping something completely different. It was Baal. Uh, our country today is no different. Our society has decided to become paganistic in their view. Uh, you cannot, people say, well, we, we are a secular nation. That is true. But you cannot leave God and call yourself secular. 
You leave God and you are following other idols. You cannot be in a gray area when it comes to worshiping God. You're either serving God or you're serving something else. And people don't want to take that distinction, but the Bible is very clear about that. All through the Old Testament, there was all kinds of folks who tried to worship other gods. And I've gone into great detail about Ashtaroth. I've gone into details about Baal and Moloch. And I think our country is worshiping some of those same gods. And this idea of Hosea, actually Hosea means the, uh, the idea of salvation. The word Hosea means salvation. And basically, Hosea's job was to preach to the northern Israel. Uh, and the ten tribes at one time, all the Israel was together. And during that time, there was two tribes in Judah, and there were ten tribes of Israel. At one time, they were one nation. But what happened was, was that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, decided to do something that was against the will of God and decided to tax the people even harder than, their fa than his father. He didn't listen to the people that he should have listened to. Instead, he went to the young hip people in the, in, the, in the kingdom and he listened to them. And eventually what happened is, is it tore that, that nation apart into two. And so when you find here Hosea in the midst of this, he's dealing with someone by the name of Jeroboam and the results from Jeroboam's situation. He was dealing with the corruption. He was dealing with some of these things. The interesting thing about Hosea was he served between six kings, from Uzziah to Hezekiah and from uh, 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 Zechariah to Hosea. Now, Hosea was a contemporary of two southern kingdoms, prophets. He was both uh, Isaiah and Micah. Now, Hosea had a very interesting um, story. Does anybody know what that story is? Yes. Right. She was a prostitute. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, if you're a young man in here or a young lady, please don't marry someone that is a prostitute. That was a direct command of the Lord for Hosea, not for you, okay? Uh, but the interesting thing is, is God had used this illustration to help people understand that they had left God. They had gone after other gods, and they were no longer faithful to who God wanted them to be. It's interesting, Hosea had three children with his adulterous wife, Gomer. Even though Hosea was a very faithful husband, and this woman, for a short time, was a faithful wife. They had three children together. One's name was Zareel, and his name means God scatters. Then there was Luhuma, which means not pitied. And then the last one was Loemi, which is not my people. It's interesting that these three names were very fitting to some of the things that God was dealing with his people at that time. But here we find Hosea had married this woman, Gomar, had three beautiful children, and then what happens? Gomar, who had been a prostitute before, decided she no longer wanted to be that faithful wife. And so she went off, and guess what? Hosea, being the wonderful husband that he was, went after her. Even though she had committed physical adultery, she had, he decided, I'm still going after her. And he would talk to her, and he would reason with her, and try to bring her back into the family, but she would have none of it. It's interesting that God used this illustration of Israel and their spiritual adultery. They had decided that they wanted to be able to have uh, God, but they didn't want to serve him. They wanted the aspects of God. They wanted the blessings of God, but they decided that they didn't want to serve him. So they went after other gods, and they started to serve those other gods. We've gone into detail about some of those. 
You say, Pastor, how does this apply to me? Well, there's a reason why today we are seeing such corruption and we're seeing such sadness. And we're seeing so much anxiety and we see so much fear is because literally America, and I say specifically Christians, have turned their backs on God. And it's interesting because God is always calling out to you. He loves you. He died for you. But he doesn't like sin. He doesn't like when you sin. And he wants you to come back to him. He's always calling to you, come back, come back. Just like Hosea did with that adulterous woman. He says, come back, come back. Very few times in this world do we find a man who's willing to take back an adulterous woman and vice versa. It's very hard for men and women to forgive when the act of adultery has taken place. It's very hard, but Hosea was using the illustration how God loves us and brings us back every time. He loves us, and any time we return to him and turn to God, God will always come to us. What a great understanding of the Lord God that we have. If today you've said, Pastor, I've been serving God before, but I've fallen away from him, and I've been serving other things. You say, Pastor, what today do we serve? I don't have an idol in my home. I don't sit there and worship Buddha. I don't sit there and worship an idol. I just don't go to church, and I don't serve God, and, and I don't be faithful to things that God wants me to do that I find in God's Word. I'm just okay with what I'm doing. I'm comfortable. I can do what I want to do and get away with it. No, you can't. Someday, the Bible says, you will give an account of yourself to God. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? That means there's always a reckoning. Last week we talked in Romans chapter 2 about the inexcusable man. The inexcusable man, you have no excuse. The Bible says that the law of God is written on your heart. You say, Pastor, how does that work? You don't have to tell someone what is wrong. They know what lying is. I often ask people that question when they doubt there is a God. I come back all the way back and I say, where does morality come from? Well, it comes from the Congress. Where did they get it? Well, they got it from someone they knew. Where did they get it? And you keep going back and going back. Morality started at a certain place, and that came from Almighty God. We don't have morality that we can be automatically do because we are people with sin natures. We are going to sin. That is what we do. Uh, 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 <laughs> a duck will quack, right? A dog will bark, and a sinner will sin. That's just the way it is. I was talking to a man yesterday. He got on the front porch and was talking to him, knocked on his door. Pray for him. His name is Tim. And Tim, Tim says, I says, Tim, I just wanted to come to your door. I want to invite you to church. But I said, I want you to understand something. The whole reason we're out here is not because I want you to come to church. The whole reason I'm out here is so that you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. I said, sir, if you were to die today and you stand, stood before God, could you honestly tell me that God will let you into heaven? And Tim looked at me and he says, no, I'd be going to hell. And I says, why is that, sir? He says, because I'm a sinner. And I looked at him and I says, guess what? We have something in common. I'm a sinner too. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so you don't have to be still a slave to sin. Christian, today God has given you a great opportunity if you're saved here. If you're not and you're still questioning your salvation, you're still questioning about your sin and you're still living in your sin, listen to me. Today is the day that God has given you to turn back to him. God loves you. He died, sent his son to die for you. And he's always doing, he's asking you, please return to me. The Israelites 
had the understanding of that sad, solemn possibility. We find in verse 6 of the passage today, it says, They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. It's interesting that this verse deals directly with the Israelites. And you say, wait a minute, what if they turn to them? Wait a minute, you said, Pastor, that if they turn to God, God will turn to them. Well, the question is, is what are you turning with? Are you turning with your sin? Are you saying, I'm okay with my sin? I don't care. I don't want to get rid of it. There was a very famous preacher, um, the way of the master, Ron Comfort, preached a great message on some things about this. And he said that when he was young and he was great, he had a great job. He was surfing on the holidays and Sundays. He didn't need Christ. But what he realized, he was a sinner. And he hated his sin. And that's what eventually made him turn. Just like that man that I spoke to, Tim. Are you sick of your sin today? Are you? Or are you okay with it? It's kind of like the pig in its slop. You ever had seen a pig? Anybody's been to the farm seen a pig? Are they really wonderful animals? They're good to eat, amen, if you like bacon. All right? I like pork chops. But you know what? They're disgusting. I had, oh, I had growing up, my sister had a 4-H pig. His name was, her name was Annabelle. And then my friend had a pig as well. It was a 4-H pig, and they show it every year, and they get money for it. We named him Squirt, and he was Squirt for a reason. He was disgusting. But our job was to clean after these pigs. And you know what? They do well. Believe it or not, for the most part, they try to keep their waste and their, their sleeping area kind of separate. But they're disgusting. They root around. You throw things on the ground, they eat it. They don't have a problem with it. And you know what? They're fine with it. A pig, that's the way they live. They're okay with it. Are you okay with your sin, friend? Are you saying my sin is fine? It's not a problem? Some of you have even gone as far to say that my sin everybody should accept because it's mine. And if you don't like it, then fine. I don't like you. Is that you, my friend? God has asked us today to turn back to him. The Bible says in uh, Psalms chapter 34, verse 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. I love these folks that say it's okay to come and you can continue to live in your lifestyle, whatever it may be. You're adulterous, that's fine. Go ahead. You're okay with drugs, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We're okay with that. The Bible says something different about how the Lord cares about sin. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've struggled with this sin my entire life. I've had no victory over it. Listen, today is the day that you turn back to Christ. He is the victory. He is the one that can give you hope. It was a solemn day for Israel when they realized that God wasn't there. America is that the same way. People are waking up in this country and realizing that God isn't there. God has blessed this country for many years. But you know what? God isn't here. The blessing is slowly leaking away. You say, Pastor, how do we ever get back God's blessing? It starts with you, my friend. A regard for your sin. They talk about the idea of revival in Christian circles, but revival is basically the essence of new obedience. Saying, I know that I'm wrong, 
and I need someone to help me get out of it. And Christ is that someone. Christ is that person that is calling to you, come unto me. Do you believe that today? You can keep looking for God in all kinds of different things. You can look for God in money. You can look for God in things. You can get look for God in government. You can look for God in all kinds of different things outside of the Bible, but you'll never find him because he's only through his word and it doesn't change. The Bible's very clear as Psalms 34 verse 16 says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I don't ever want to get on the wrong side of God. The Bible says that it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. God's long-suffering, yes. God is patient, yes. But he hates sin. He's holy. He's right. He's just. We have a society today that says that they serve a God that's not holy, a God that's not just, a God that doesn't care what you do. God does care because he is holy, he is just, and he is right. Yes, he is a God of love. He loves you. That's why he sent his son to die for you. When you deny the son, you deny the father. Today is the day to turn to him. The reasons for God's withdrawal to the Israelites, we find in verse 1, the Bible says, Hear ye this, ye O priest, and hearken ye, o, ye house of Israel, and give ye ear, O house of the king, for judgment is toward you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon uh, Tabor. Listen, Satan is a very deceitful being. In the very beginning, when we were Adam and Eve, it was very basic, right? They were in the garden, and what happened one day? Satan deceived Eve to believing that it was okay to eat of the very fruit that God says don't eat of. And from that point forward, Satan has continued to deceive generation after generation of people. Has Satan deceived you? I used to work with a person that loved smoking. She loved smoking. She would come in and she would smoke probably three or four times a day when we were in work together. And I'd ask her, I says, do you, are you okay with that? Are you smoking? Does not bother you? Have you tried to give it up? Most people, when I ask that question, they say, yeah, I've tried and it's just not working out. She says, no, I love it. I enjoy it. She loved to smoke. Now, you say, that's crazy. Everybody knows what smoke does. If you don't know, go downstairs. I have a brochure that talks about lungs. And it's showing my kids the other day. This is what happens when a smoker smokes. Okay? This is what happens with cancer when cancer smokes. But you know what? Christians are no different in other sins. We talk about smoking, and that's very obvious, but the sin of pride, the sin of anger, the sin of bitterness, it's all very exposed and you know, when we stand before God, God is asking, do you want to get rid of it? Do you want to be done with it? Maybe it's not anger, bitterness, or gossip. Maybe it's pornography and lust. Whatever it may be, God is saying, you don't have to continue down that path. I can give you victory. I can give you the grace to get around it. It's become a snare to you. Growing up, I didn't do much of hunting. But I've seen enough snares in my lifetime to understand what they do. When I was growing up, I did see a few snares. I went to some uh, hunting lodges and saw uh, a bear trap. I've seen what, for small animals what it does. It grabs them by the leg and doesn't let them go. I remember growing up in, in Chicago, and you all know this. 
rats become a problem, don't they? You go to the alleyways and they got these postings of all the different rats. And boy, I remember the first time I ever saw a rat was when I was in Chicago. Disgusting. Don't want to ever deal with them. Some of those things are big as cats. Huge. But you know what they would do? They'd put a snare out there. They'd put a, re- a way for those, those rats to be caught. And eventually it would kill them. And listen, Satan knows this. He knows that you are uh, uh, given over to your flesh. And you know what? As soon as you give over to your flesh, automatically you're going to do the things that the flesh tell you to do. I've mentioned some sins already, but listen to me. If you're in the middle of those sins and you say, Pastor, I have no hope, you're wrong. God wants to release you from that snare. There is a hope. You don't have to keep on going down that pathway of sin. God has given great opportunity to be able to get out of that snare. The Bible says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. The Bible's very clear here. That listen to me, if you're not with God, you are going to be put in a snare against God. You're going to be continuing in a path that is destruction. I've said this before, if you deal with the alcoholic when they are drinking that alcohol, that first sip is never always that bad. And listen, they enjoy it. And listen, sin can be pleasant for a season, but you'll keep going back and you'll keep going back and you'll keep going back. And before long, that snare gets a hold of you and you can no longer be free. You'll continue down that path. There comes a point where someone says, I've had enough. I'm ready Today, to be free of my sin. Is that you? I'm talking to Christians and unsaved alike. If you're a Christian today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're still living in sin, the Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The Bible says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin living there longer therein? Do you want God to bless your home? you want God to bless your country? you want God to bless you? It starts with turning from your sin and turning to God. Number three, we find or in this idea of withdrawal, they had become a snare. Then we look at Hosea chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, They will not frame their doing to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. They have not known the Lord. Their doings would not suffer them to honor their God. As I've said before, God does not allow sin. He hates it. How many ever found someone that just you despise? Or maybe they're just really hard to get along with. Nobody's going to raise their hands and say, Pastor, this is church. What are you doing? But you know, there's some person that just drives you bonkers. And every time you're around them, you want to run. What are you smiling at? You run run the other way. We've got some kids in my family that are like that, right? They get a little bonkers when they're around their family. And you know, it's interesting. God is the same way about sin. He wants no part of it. He's going, sin is here. He's going the other direction. He wants nothing to do with it. And you cannot go to God with sin if you don't hate your sin like God hates it. God's saying, listen, I want to free you. I want to give you victory. But if you still love it, then you're wrong. Some of you have been in relationships before, and, and I'm not saying in divorce, but let's just say dating. If I go and, and uh, let's just say, I, well, this is my daughter's perfect example. She's 15. Right? We tease her about boys all the time. It's fun. 
But you know what? Chloe goes out and she, she finds a young man, and boy, he is just the, and he's the cat's meow. And you know, he just, oh man, he comes in his white horse and he is just handsome, and he's got muscles galore. And she just says, Dad, he's wonderful. And not only that, but he is so spiritual. I mean, you tell you what, he's in church every day, he's faithful, he gets up and preaches, he teaches, he's just everything that God wants her to have. So she comes to say, Dad and says, Dad, I'll tell you what, I think this is the guy. Is all right if I date him? And so, well, let's look at the list. And so we go over the list together. And yeah, this, this lines up. And let's say they date for about a month or two months, and this young man just completely becomes cold hearted towards her. Chloe and her break up, or him, they break up. There's no more dating. He's smiling. I love it. There's no more dating. And then all of a sudden, another, believe it or not, there's two of them. There's another uh, bright and shining armor. He comes out on his white horse and she says, Dad, this guy is it. He is everything. He is the whole package. I know, well, let's go over the list. We go over the list again. We find, oh, yeah, this is right. Now, what would happen if Chloe got into this relationship and all she did was talk about the other guy? Livy just, her mouth went, right? Now, I'd say that that relationship wouldn't go very far, would it? Well, you quit talking about him. You broke up with him. Remember, he was cold-hearted towards you. And listen, in your relationship with God, when you come to him, you have to give up that relationship with sin. You have to say, I no longer want that relationship. If you have, the Bible says a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. You wonder why you don't see victory? It's because you're still holding that baggage of sin with you and saying, I don't care, it's okay, God doesn't need this, it's not hurting anyone, it's fine with me. And God is saying, no, let it go. Turn to me completely. You don't see answers to prayer. Because you're still holding that baggage. You're not seeing God bless your work. Because you're still holding the baggage. You're not seeing God save people that you love. You're still holding the baggage. It's become a snare. You're still holding on to it. That's what the Israelites were doing. They were saying, I want God's blessing. I want the joy that God gives. I want the peace that God gives. But listen to me. They still are holding on to it. Number three, not only do we find that I become a snare and that they would not frame their doings to turn unto their, to, to God, but they had dealt treacherously with the Lord. Treachery is a violation of allegiance, a breach of faith. When we don't turn to God truly and with all our heart, we are what? Traitors to the captain of our salvation. When we identify as ourselves with the ranks of the enemy. Can you imagine Ukraine today if someone was flirting with Russians? They would not look very highly upon and probably would be killed as a traitor. How about you? Are you flirting with sin? Do you recognize that God wants you back? Again, this is not all for unsaved folks here today. It's for the saved. God is calling. I love the song. Softly and tenderly, 
Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. He's calling today, friend. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Don't deal treacherously with the Lord. Don't be deceitful. God knows your heart. What was the results of a withdrawing face? Number one, they had vain sacrifices. Hosea chapter 5 verse 6 says, They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn from himself from the Lord. I didn't get the right verse there. I'll get that in a second. It says, No number of sacrifices will atone for the hidden face of God as long as the heart is not right towards them. The Bible talks about giving. How many know what giving is? What does it mean to give? Okay? Giving to charity, um, giving to the church, giving to others. Right? There's many reasons you can give. But the Bible says that if you give and you have ought against a brother, the Bible says to go to your brother first before you give. Why? Because your sacrifices mean nothing to the Lord. Sacrifices only work is when you turn to God and say, God, I'm giving of myself, and this is the results of my love towards you. My worship. Why do people not like to give? Because they are not in love with the Lord. I'm not saying to the church, but I'm saying to your brother, to your sister. When was the last time you did something because you loved someone else and Christ had you do it? We live in a society where compassion is a tragedy. We found so many reasons not to give, yet there are so many reasons to give. The Bible says if you see your brother in need, what do you do? Take care of him. God is wanting us not to do vain sacrifices. Second reason why, with the results of the withdrawn face of the Lord, is they became oppressed and broken. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 5, verse 11, Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he has willingly walked after the commandment. Because they had lost the vision of the face of God, they sought help from gods made by hands. Disobeying the word of the Lord, they became obedient to the commandment of a worldly wise men. 1 Kings chapter 8, 12, verse 28. Jeroboam is doing this. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold, thy gods of Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I love this verse because I call this my Zoom verse. What do you say Zoom verse, Pastor? During COVID, people decided it's too much for me to go to church. So let's build a couple calves here in our, our, our house called the the computer, and let's not go to church, and we'll worship God from here. That's exactly what they were doing. The Israelites were commanded to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. But you know what they did? They instead built calves closer to them so they could worship God where they wanted to. Now, it's interesting. Today, Christians have disregarded the fact the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. One of the reasons why Christians today have turned their back on God is because they no longer worship him in the house. And they wonder why they're oppressed, why they're broken. Listen, there is something about a church. You say, what's important about a church? Can somebody tell me what's the blessing of having a church? 
It's not just the building. Andrea, go ahead. Say that again. Edification of the saints. How are they edified? Somebody else. Somebody else. You've already got all the answers. Somebody else. How are they edified? Anybody. Sister Kim. you're discouraged today and you haven't been to church, I say, there's your answer. You know how much encouragement I get from my brothers and sisters in Christ? There will be times. Brother Sam, last night I was discouraged. You guys were encouragement to me, Tony and Sam. We got together and we prayed. Listen, no wonder you're discouraged. You're a Christian here today and you haven't been to church? No, no wonder you're so downhearted. We're here to love you. Now, that doesn't mean that you only see your brother or sister in Christ at church. But this is where we meet every day of the week. We take time out of our day, our week, and say, this is important because I need to be there, not only for my edification, but for the edification of all those around me. You know, it's funny. When you get Christians together who are serving God together, loving God together, and one brother walks in and he's having a hard time. Remember little Tony? He's having a hard time. And you pray with them, it just boosts your spirit up where it should be. The church is not just a place where I get up and preach a few things out of the Bible and you feel a little bit convicted and you walk away and never see me again. No, I want to spend time. I want to know about your life. I want to be an encouragement. We have such a great opportunity here. And many are oppressed and they're broken. Because they're no longer being faithful to God in service. They're no longer being faithful to God in the house. Instead, they're worshiping in their own way. And listen, those, those idols that they were worshiping that Jeroboam had set up were not correct. Eventually, if you know anything about Baal, Baal was literally a bull. It was idols that was basically leading them to other idols. You stay at home, you won't get it. You won't get the encouragement. You won't get the blessing. You won't get what you need. And you will be oppressed and broken just like the Israelites because they did not have God in their lives. And they didn't have the people of God in their lives either. The third thing we find here, they sought another remedy. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 5 verse 13 that Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound. Then went Ephraim to Assyria and sent to King Jerob, yet could he not heal you nor cure, cure you of your wound. Here they are. They went and they tried to find the king of Syria to take care of their problems. Now, I would have told you already that's not going to work. Anytime you go to the world to find solutions, don't get me wrong, doctors are wise. We have some people in the healthcare industry here today, and I'm thankful for them. But you know what? The truth comes with the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't get me wrong. You can find great medical advice from a doctor, but the truth is, is you need to ask the Lord to give you grace. God is the great healer. He calls him the great physician. You cry out to him and you ask him, Lord, please 
I have this problem, this sickness. And I'm not just talking about physical sickness. It could be financial sickness. It could be relationship sickness. It could be anything that ails you. The right solution is first, Lord God, what do you want me to do? And the Bible says, in all thy ways, he will what, Tony? In all thy ways, he will what? He will what? Direct thy paths. The solution comes first to the Lord. I'm guilty of this, just like everyone else here. When a problem arises and you're living in the flesh, what is the first solution that you find? The first solution is, how can I fix it? What can I do? Eventually what happens is, you keep trying to figure it out and fix it. And you just keep it, making it worse and worse and worse until finally you realize, oh, right? You guys remember the old commercial? They slap themselves upside the head. You should have had a V8. You know? It's kind of the same way. I should have listened to the Lord. Why did I do that in the first place? God is always calling out to you. And my last point here, and I'm done. The Bible says God awaits until they seek his face. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 5 and verse 15, I will go and return unto my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. We will never see God's blessing again until we return to him where we left him. When's the last time you spoke with God? When's the last time you sought his face? Maybe there was something that God told you to do and you said no. No, I can't do that, Lord. That's too much. You have so many ways that you can return to the Lord, but the first thing you have to do is identify the thing that you left him on. When you come back and say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up here. God will take you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard the gospel message. I've never heard what it means to be saved. Listen, if you want to be saved here today and you're struggling, come talk to me. Come grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want to know how to be saved. If you're a lady in here, we'll get you a lady to speak to. If you're a man in here, I'll come, come speak to you directly or another man in the church. But today is the day of salvation. You say, I would like to get rid of my sin. I would like victory over my sin. Today is the day. You don't have to continue another day. Listen, the drug addict, he can't say that. Without Christ. The alcoholic can't say that without Christ. The pornography addict cannot say that without Christ. But I can tell you this God gives great victory. Let's stand together. Chloe's going to play a short invitation. Listen, if the Lord has spoke to you anyway, come down to this altar, take that first step. But maybe today it's not about. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not saved in here today. I need to be saved. Listen, you can know today. You can know. Maybe there's something that I mentioned today and you're dealing with sin and you know it's wrong and you know it's the reason why you're continuing to struggle and you're broken and you're oppressed. Listen, today's the day to take care of it. God has given you an opportunity. Don't put it off. God loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be happy and peace. It's up to you to turn back to him. 
Heavenly Father, I ask that you just please be with this invitation. If God spoke to anyone's heart, if you spoke to anyone's heart today, oh Lord, please convict. May you use your Holy Spirit to convict people of sin. Thank you so much for your renewal. Thank you so much for revival. I ask you, Lord, please start here at Garfield Ridge Baptist Church, reviving our place in Jesus' name. If God spoke to your heart, please come as the piano plays. free from your sin today, folks. God wants to give you that ability. Turn to him. There's hope. There's hope. Today is the day of salvation. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for your word, and Lord, how it can, it can convict, it can heal, it can drive us to do the right thing. I ask you, Lord, for those that made decisions today, God, please encourage them. Lord, don't let Satan get in their head and tell them that you won't forgive because whenever you do, help them to turn to you and turn from their sin. In Jesus' name, amen.